Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Trevor. I'm Shane, and we will be your hosts for the podcast. Thanks for joining us for our first episode. Yeah, I'm really excited to get this podcast together. It's been a long time coming, but it's been something I've been really looking forward to. Yeah, same here. I think it's a great idea. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a really cool format, and I'm looking forward to some great discussion. So I want to talk a little bit about what inspired us to make the podcast. Kind of alluded to it already, but I think in our our fast-paced society now, having the excuse to just slow down a little bit and absorb content is something that gets harder and harder to do. And music is something that takes me away from all the busy stuff of the day. And getting back to just slowing down and listening to music from start to finish. I'm such a music nerd anyway that I'd be talking about this stuff anyway. So I figure might as well. Yeah, totally. I I can echo all those same thoughts. It's easy to get caught up in the day and lose track of time and not be able to really set aside that time to listen to music and really soak in that content uh, and enjoy it uh, to its full capacity the way the the artist intended for you to do. I think a lot of people have music on in the background or it's a part of their life, but maybe it's not the focal point. Whereas there are people like us who really like to dive into the lyrics and the construction of the album from first song to last, look for deeper meanings and make some connections to our own life. And I've done that at times uh, throughout my life, but I agree too. It, it, it uh, almost requires uh, some type of commitment uh, to doing that. And this podcast will put us down the right path to get uh, back to doing that more. Yeah, absolutely. So the way our format's going to be with this is we decided we would do two albums a month. And both albums are going to focus on something a little bit different. The first one's going to be something that's been around a while. So an album that we're deciding is at least a year old, but we'll probably be even looking towards things that are even older than that. Hopefully it's an album that has kind of stood the test of time, whether it be something that we just personally really love or an album that's got a lot of historical significance. And then the second album that we'll do each month is going to be something new within that calendar year. So here we are starting January in 2020. Um, The first new album we're going to do is going to be in January. So it's going to be one that is released in that month. Once we get to February, we'll still do a new album, but we'll be able to draw from either January or February. So point being, the later you get in the year, the more content you have to choose from for that newer album within 2020 will alternate. So uh, this month, I'm going to do a newer album, and and Shane, you're going to do one that's been around a little bit longer. So in doing that, we're going to be able to expose each other to new music and make sure that we're not just stuck in the rut of listening to the same things that we know we already like, but also being able to revisit old albums that we really love or just old classics that maybe we never got a chance to delve into that we know we really should know more about. 
So I think it's a great format that's going to allow us to do both of those things. Yeah, I have a, a long list of old albums that we can dive into or revisit. It's definitely going to be a little tricky at the beginning of the year to yeah. see what albums have come out in the past two weeks uh, for mid-January, say, or when we get into February, we only have six weeks to pull from. So I'll have to look over a lot of my favorite artists and, and see who's releasing something at the beginning of the year or uh, possibly use some other avenues to discover who's releasing new music. And maybe that'll give us a way to discover new artists and bands that we weren't familiar with as well and, and take a look at them as uh, well as the stuff we really do like. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it'll be fun. It'll be a good way to force us to do that. And so what I mean by when I say we're going to do an album is we're going to pick an album and then we're going to go into the history of that artist. We'll talk about how long they've been around, maybe where they exist in history of music, if they're a newer band or if they're an older one, what collaborations they had, you know, maybe guest appearances that exist on that album. And then We'll top it all off with a track-by-track track analysis. We'll play a little clip of the song and in the order, as we discussed earlier, and then just talk about our impressions. And I'll have an idea of what you're picking in advance, but we won't talk in advance about what our impressions are. So I think it'll be fun once we get there to, you know, maybe there's a song that really connected with you and, and not as much with me or vice versa, or we'll both get something out of a song. And uh, I think it's going to be really fun to meet with, that research done ahead of time and just see what the other one's impression of an album was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to go back and listen to some of my favorite bands, do some research on their history and possibly form new appreciation or respect for the music that they've put out and understand who they are and where they've come from and make more connections uh, to their music, maybe listen to it in a different way than I did the first time around uh, when I was younger. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it's all about is just getting in that space and absorbing the album that way. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping maybe we get a chance to have some special guests on the podcast, maybe join us for oh, yeah. their favorite yeah, what their favorite album is. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a couple friends that are in some bands that are releasing albums this year. It might be fun to get them to come on and talk about their oh, albums. Nice. So just give us some opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. We'll keep that similar format, but maybe have some guests on and just mix it up a little bit. So yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Yeah, it'd be cool to get the actual artists on the podcast and hear their perspective either before or after we give ours and see how in line ours were with theirs or bring on friends, family members, anybody else who shares the same passion for music that we do and get their take on the music because that's that's the cool thing about songs that the, the lyrics are never so direct that everybody should have the same interpretation. They're oftentimes abstract and leave the listener to determine what it means to them. So you get a few people together discussing, you'll form a better understanding or appreciation of uh, the entire body of work. Yeah, I, I agree. I've always thought that, you know, I want to know what the artist is thinking when they created something, but once they release it out into the world, it, it really doesn't belong to them anymore. It belongs to the listener. And that's a good point. What your interpretation of it really is what what it what it means to uh its connection in history and with individuals and so i think that's going to be a really fun part to to experience through each other and and hopefully through some listeners that we get to engage with mm -hmm. and interact with too yeah yeah so l let me ask you a question why yeah why music uh for you or or how has your 
passion grown over the years? What's your background and um, where you're at today as a listener? Yeah, I, I think I started really getting into music from a pretty young age. I grew up in a little town called Yakima, Washington, and it's a rural kind of country mm-hmm. area, and, and country music was most of the radio stations there. I don't listen to a, a ton of country music mm-hmm. anymore, although I have to say I've, I've probably listened to a little bit more in the last five or six years. I think there's been some really cool um, alt-country and, and um, artists that are mixing country with folk and rock and stuff like that that uh, has kind of gotten me back into that as a genre. But when I was little, I, I remember Sunday mornings, I'd go with my dad, we'd get some donuts and we'd get the car wash and I'd listen to Casey Kasem do the country music countdown on the radio. And, and uh, even though I don't think that music I was listening to at that time was full mm-hmm. of a lot of deep content, I think mm-hmm. as a young kid, the lyrics are pretty easy to digest and it was just something that I immediately knew what the singer was talking about. And it kind of drew me in and followed the storyline. And so I think that might be, ironically, what first got me into listening to themes of songs and, sure, yeah. and uh, the content and the lyrics. And then from there... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and from there, I think I went to kind of branched out of my own. I think discovering MTV probably around 13 or 14 is when I started listening to, you know, more mainstream rock and artists like that. But I've played a little bit of guitar and, and I was in a high school band at one point and we got to play a couple shows, which was really, really fun. I sang throughout high school, but mm-hmm. really I, I wouldn't call myself much of a musician as much as just I'm kind of a lover of music. And it's something that's always been an important part of my life, I guess, for reasons I stated before. It's the thing that just takes me out of all the craziness of life and just slows me down a little bit. And I think there's something really valuable mm-hmm. about that. I agree. I'm trying to think, I've got a, I've got a couple family members that are more musically inclined than I was growing mm-hmm. up. Um, biggest one that comes to mind is I had a grandfather that died in a plane crash about a month before I was born, and mm, he was a, wow. yeah, he's a Dixieland jazz musician. He he played all around Friday Harbor, which is a little area close to Seattle. Very cool. Yeah, he's a tuba player, actually. He was a really good musician. I really wish I could have gotten to meet him. I know that he really shared that same love of music. Mm-hmm. And he actually wrote a song that ended up getting a little bit of radio play in Seattle. There was a news event of a Seattle ferry called the Elwha. Story goes, anyway, that the captain of the boat was trying to impress this woman. He had her up in the cockpit, and he said your house is up here, I'll, I'll take you up close to it so you can see it. He got a little too close to the shore and scraped up the whole bottom of the ferry and, and oh, no. made, <laughs> made local news and everybody was talking about it. And so wow. my grandpa wrote this song called Elwa on the Rocks, which oh, perfect. a little play on words for like a, <laughs> some kind of a cocktail drink. Cocktail or something, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think some of, the, some of the local bars would... We're serving a drink called Elwa on the Rocks. Oh, wow. But, That's a um, cool story. Yeah, pretty cool story. And I wish mm-hmm. I had... I've got a couple of his albums on vinyl, but I, I don't have that song, but I'm sure it's nice. out there somewhere. With a lady in the wheelhouse 
You can cruise along the shore. You can blow the ferry whistle as you cruise by her front door. You can blame it on the steering if the ferry rams the docks. And we'll pour a long, tall, cool one called L.Y. on the rocks. You can have the Drinking here tonight is Elwa on the Rocks. That's kind of my background and, and really what's just gotten me interested in music over the years. And I've just always kind of kept up with it and it's, it's just something that I've really enjoyed. What about you? Uh, well, yeah, I, I have a background uh, as a performer as well, uh, singing uh, throughout my life through school years uh, into high school. I was always encouraged by my folks as well as instructors and and friends to get involved with as many activities as possible. So that's what kept me participating in choir and show choir and some of the musicals. And over over the years, I really developed a passion for it. So I I do have that experience and appreciation for not necessarily the the construction of music, but performing it and the detail that goes into uh, making something sound good. So that's that side of it. But I would agree with what you said that I'm I'm more of a a listener or a fan of music than I am uh, a musician. And uh, I've always been intrigued by the various genres of music out there. There's not too many that I that I can't listen to at least. Uh, on some level or in in some area of my life. I've always really liked to dive into the songs, the lyrics, and try to find a deeper meaning. I think as a kid, that probably wasn't as much the case. I was raised, grew up in the 90s, so a lot of pop and mainstream music, uh, which was a little more superficial and fun, not not as deep as the, the stuff that I listen to nowadays. But I also listened to a lot of oldies growing up and some classic rock. Thanks to my parents, we'd go on road trips and they'd be playing mostly 60s and 70s. So I, I, I think maybe that's why today my my favorite genre of music is folk and Americana, some bluegrass and other types of music that the focus is on sharing a story or telling a message which in a way connects to uh, some oldies and that that era of music. But I also, yeah, for sure. through my teen years, really developed a liking for uh, punk rock. Uh, bands like Blink-182, I listened to some grunge, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alternative Rock, The Chili Peppers, Incubus, and even some alternative metal bands like Linkin Park. And, and I think... Uh, the time that I really started appreciating music or diving into different albums and following artists more was through college when I really got into the jam band scene, started going to concerts and started really yeah. enjoying the uh, big five-man bands with lots of instruments and cool lyrics and, and uh, really good music. So some of my favorites um, from that time that still have a special place in my heart are bands like Dave Matthews Band and OAR, The Counting Crows, Dispatch. I mean, I could I could go on and on, but the, I mean that that's the time that I I really started to uh, find my identity as a listener and my appreciation for um, the album format. Do you remember what oldies music your 
parents were listening to that you were initially hearing and gravitating towards? Uh, a lot of late 60s, uh, early uh, 70s type music. Uh, yeah. Cros- Crosby, Stills, and Nash, The uh, Eagles. Yeah, for sure. Um, gosh, who else? Uh, but a, yeah. a lot of people in that era, I think, uh, well, I don't think, I know my, my dad was a bit of a hippie back in the day and, and, uh, exposed me to a lot of that music. Um, Janis Joplin was another one. Yeah. Listened to a lot of her growing up. How about you? Did you, did you get exposed to that? Were your parents into that kind of music? Yeah. My, my dad, especially, um, how old are your parents? Uh, my dad is 67 and my mom is 64. Okay. So they're just a little older than mine, Mm -hmm. but yeah, similar stuff. I I think my dad was maybe just a little bit young for the hippie period. You know, Mm -hmm. he missed the sixties a little bit, but I remember he and I used to drive from Yakima to Seattle to go watch Mariner games. And one of the things that we used to do is we'd stop by this little record store in in uh, Yakima that actually still exists called Off the Record. I remember it really well. Hmm. And we would pick up a couple, at that time, CDs. Um, and probably when we first started, maybe a couple cassettes, but I, I mostly remember CDs. And I'd get something that I started getting interested in, as I was talking about earlier, when I started listening to MTV and, and gravitating towards some of the bands like... Um, you know, Oasis mm-hmm. and um, I'm trying to think of what some of the uh, Green Day, you know, stuff like that. Yep. Um, when I was praying that 13, 14 year old presence, the United States of America, I remember <laughs> it was one of the early ones. Yeah. And he would get something like so, so similar bands Crosby, Stills, Nash, Bob Dylan, David Bowie, you know, some of these artists you mentioned, yeah, Janis Joplin, mm-hmm. all, all those are definitely in his, his wheelhouse, even if some of them he was just a little bit young um ahead of the curves for some of those things most of those artists are probably a little older than him but mm-hmm. yeah those are the i mean those are like the if you look back on the history of, of rock and roll the, the 60s were so big it's mm-hmm. i mean they're like the picassos and the rembrandts of of music they're always going to be thought of as some of the pioneers for this rock and yeah, movie, yeah, of course, the beatles and and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that so it, it's funny I, I hadn't thought about it until just now, but in a way that format of picking an older album and a newer album kind of corresponds with what I did with my dad as we were driving from mm-hmm. Yakima to Seattle, listen to a new album I pick out and one that's just a while. So I guess in a way I've done this before. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a bit nostalgic. Maybe we can even have your dad as a special guest on the show and he could review one of his favorite albums from the time when you were a kid and you guys were making those road trips back and forth to Yakima. That'd be really fun. I, I'm certainly going to be asking him for some ideas as we pick some of those classic older albums to talk about. So you said uh, one of your favorite bands or one of the the bands that you started listening to as a kid was Oasis? Yeah, that I actually think that might have been that What's the Story, Morning Glory might have been the first album I ever got mm. on, on CD. Yeah. I remember here in the Wonderwall music video on MTV and going, oh, I got to go out and get that. And that was one of the first ones I, I probably picked up before we <laughs> headed out to Seattle yeah. for a game at one point. That's still one of my favorite songs. It's a great album. There's a lot of good songs on that album. Yeah. Uh, Champagne Supernova is another popular one that stood the test that's of time. That's right. That was on that one too. A lot of people 
from all eras know that. Yeah, yeah. I remember back in junior high, we had a, a teacher who during study hall would let us go into the corner and play some music, probably CDs in a big boombox type player back in those days. But we would hang out in the corner, we would listen to that, and that was one of our go-to albums. We'd play Oasis because it was a pretty clean album. It was fairly laid back and quiet, not too heavy for the most part. Uh, so we really, really uh, enjoyed doing that. special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall Faster than a cannonball Where were you while we were getting high? I think my first album might have been a live album by Blink-182. Oh yeah, a live album. It was called The Mark, Tom, and Travis Show. And uh, I think I picked it up because I hadn't been to uh, a concert ever in my life uh, as a teenager. I think I might have been, gosh, probably 12 years old when I got that album. So I hadn't really been to a legitimate concert. And maybe I saw a, a simple show here or there, but nothing on a big scale. So I thought it would be cool to listen to that and almost be able to put myself in the audience and get that experience. Yeah. But pri- prior to that, I think I mostly bought singles or two or three or four track EPs because I probably didn't have enough money to go buy a bunch of full albums. But I do remember as a kid hopping on the bicycles with friends and riding downtown. I, I grew up in a small town too, only about 10,000 people. So you could cover the whole town on a bike pretty quickly, and if we had a few bucks that we had gained from allowance or mowing the yard or something like that, we'd hop on our bikes and head downtown. And we used to hit up this music store too. Ours was called On Cue, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember going through and looking at all the recent singles that had been released because they were usually two, three, four bucks or something. So. I got a lot of those still in my closet, I know, uh, CDs and also cassettes. I don't like to admit that because it's uh, aging me <laughs> a bit, but I do still have some singles on cassettes uh, in the collection. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cassettes are kind of coming back a little bit. Oh, are they? Kind of like vinyl? Just, yeah, in the large scheme of things, vinyl is also really a, a niche um, interest as well, but there's an even smaller one going back to cassettes. And and the reason Hmm. being artists can create those really easily. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of independent artists that are putting music on cassettes because it takes a lot of money and time to press an album on vinyl. So if you're buying a vinyl record today, chances are the band's at least somewhat known. And sometimes some of those underground artists are releasing stuff on cassettes now. Yeah, like a little mixtape. Yeah. Yeah, so that Mark, Tom, and Travis show album is probably the first one that I buy. That's at least what sticks out in my mind. I purchased a lot more. After that, I started getting into studio albums, and once I had a few bands that I really liked uh, to follow, I would try to slowly build up a collection of their discography and explore all the music that they'd put out over the years. But that first album that I got, I remember very vividly because it was... 
somewhat edgy for a, a 12 year old to be listening to punk rock and they made some sexual references and there was some language and some things that maybe the folks wouldn't have approved of me listening to back in back in those times so i was hanging out in the kitchen or living room with the headphones on listening to this almost feeling like i was sort of getting away with something That album uh, is really important to me, and I, and I, I appreciate the, the work that Blink-182 has put out. I mean, um, they're definitely a staple in the punk rock genre, and a lot of people have uh, piggybacked off of them and, and forming new genres and subgenres and making some music along those lines. So I still uh, really appreciate not only that live album, but also their studio albums surrounding that that had the same song tracks that's cool it's nice that you can look back on your first album and go all right that i i can still stand by that that's still a good album mm-hmm. i enjoyed I, I feel the same way about oasis i can't uh can't say that every album i bought as a kid i wouldn't be embarrassed if somebody found out i listened to it at the time <laughs> but um yeah oasis yeah. was a, yeah, no a good doubt. one it's it certainly yeah. stood the test of time I was thinking about that when you're talking about feeling like you're getting away with something. I think earlier mm-hmm. I mentioned Green Day is one of the first artists that I bought an album. And I remember my parents yeah. finding that album Dookie, which was uh-huh. the first one I got from Green Day. Okay. And reading the lyrics to, what was that song called? Longview. You know that song? No, nah, I can't remember that one. It's pretty much just a song about a guy that's just sitting at his home taking drugs and masturbating all day pretty much. <laughs> and I remember my parents going, interesting choice here. Yeah, right? <laughs> Do we need to have a talk? <laughs> exactly. No, I think uh, one of my favorite songs from Green Day is Time of Your Life. I don't know if that's on the Dookie album or one of their others. Do you that know came later. I, I'm not okay. sure what album it was, but that, that was a later, later one for sure. Yeah. I, I still remember driving out of the high school parking lot the very last day of school for the last time and i was blasting that that song as as i i left in the traffic those lyrics really connected to the closing of a of a chapter but also the appreciation of what you had gone through and the the meaning uh to your life yeah, and it was right in that time as we were we were going through that ourselves. I think yeah, for for reference, we're both guys in our thirties, so that that probably would have been. I'm a little mm-hmm. older than you, but I think for me that would have been yeah, right around that junior high time that that song came out. So I I could relate to that too. Yeah. Well, let, let's uh, get back to talking a little bit about the podcast and uh, dive into some of the details of what we're intending to do. So you mentioned a little bit about the old versus new. Uh, format on how we're going to look at some older albums whether that be a few years old or 30 years old and then some that are coming out today or in the current year 
compare and contrast the, the various styles and genres and try to somehow make connections, but also appreciate the difference that there has been an evolution of music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, throughout the 80s and 90s to today. And possibly within that uh, journey, look for new bands and, and also uh, revisit some of our favorites from the past. Uh, what are some other elements of that old versus new format that, that you're excited about exploring? Yeah, I'm hoping that it also brings some themes and some underlying things that might connect artists from today to the past. I think educating ourselves on some of those landmark mm-hmm. albums from yeah, 60s, 70s, as we talked about um, earlier with our, our parents' music. But I'd say the 80s is probably the decade that I know the least about because... I was in diapers and my mm-hmm. parents were probably not keeping up with music very much, <laughs> trying to keep up with me. So, um, but that's, right. that's a, that's a time period that I've revisited a little bit and gotten to know some artists through that. And, and there's actually mm-hmm. some really great music that came through the eighties as well. And we're definitely going to get a Nirvana album on here at some yeah, point. Yeah. We'll probably do that as and, a nineties uh, album. Maybe even some hair bands. You know, why not? I think it'd be, be worth checking some of those that have stood the test of time. Yeah, I guess Nirvana is more more nineties. Maybe were they late eighties or they, not until the early? They 90s? formed in late eighties, but yeah, it wouldn't have been until early nineties that people started paying attention to them. I think Nevermind yeah, was yeah. maybe ninety ninety one, ninety two, somewhere in there. If I'm if I'm right about that, I guess the eighties were more more defined by the hair bands and some some British pop, and uh, I think grunge and uh, that type of music originated in that decade as well yeah that, that late part of the 80s is when some of that started taking mm-hmm. place but i think as a genre people don't really think about grunge as, as until nirvana pushed it into mainstream which would have been those that early 90s yeah. but yeah for sure the seeds of that sure. were starting in the 80s for sure and and some and it was coming mm-hmm. out of the the punk stuff so that's another that's another element to the 80s um you know with artists and, and the late 70s with with artists um you know like the clash mm-hmm. and the ramones and and I think, yeah, yeah. To, to back to your question, why old versus new? I, I think it's really interesting to see how each decade is a almost an answer to the previous one. There, there's almost a rebellion of the prior. You, know, you can take it in decades because it's easier to um, parse mm-hmm. it out, saying 60s, 70s. But of course, no, nothing's going to yeah on a timeline right. exactly. But the lines get a little yeah, blurry. the lines get blurry. But just just being able to see mm-hmm. that thread of okay, this this generation was thinking about this and it was in response to the prior generation that was saying this. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of new artists that are coming out today that are pulling influence from some of those. I mean, everything, yeah. everything's recycled, yeah. right? Every, every generation right. is drawing things from the previous ones. I think being educated on that gives you more appreciation for what maybe a current artist is trying to do. So mm-hmm. that's part of why I'm interested in the old versus new. And, the other reason is yeah. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm 35 for another week here, and <laughs> I think uh, I think I, I'm starting to get to the point where I feel myself fall into that trap of oh, I want to listen to some music. What do I want to do? I, I think I'll just I'll fall back on something that I know. I'm going to listen to a band or an, mm-hmm. a, a CD that I'm familiar with, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think people do fall into that habit probably right around this time where they 
they stop discovering new things. And, and that's really important to me. Mm. I, I want to make sure I continue to yeah. do that. There, there's great music coming out all the time. We live in an interesting mm-hmm. time right now with you know, mainstream music and, and music on the radio as being not very good. Um, but on the other <laughs> hand, I agree. There, there's a lot of opportunities for artists to get music out there in, in the digital realm and in the stream, mm-hmm. streaming realm that we're in now. And so it's a great opportunity. I don't want to be that guy in his 30s and, and 40s that starts just to fall back on on the music that I grew up with, even though that coming-of-age mm-hmm. music is so important. I want to keep discovering new things, and I think that's why I, I want to share older things that I've connected with already with, with you and with listeners, revisit some things that maybe I, mm-hmm. I missed from the past, but also listen to new albums too and and see how it's relating to what i knew already so that that's one of the Mm -hmm. impetus for me picking that format sure i I think it is easy to get stuck in that trap of having your go-to genres or artists that you listen listen to and then maybe from there you you stumble upon a couple more that are real similar but not really branch out to anything that's too radical or different especially as we age we are creatures of habit and we get stuck in our ways or or our uh customs and and traditions probably more and more the the older we get uh, i think maybe that has something to do with being a mature adult and having a brain that's fully developed and that's been uh molded over the years to be a certain way versus a, a kid who has all these random spontaneous thoughts and excitement going on and they're just seeking new information and eager to learn and be exposed to things they never have before. So that that could be why we we connect most with our childhood and the music that we first listened to, because that was also the time that our brain was developing. And so there's some sort of deeper meaning, even if it's subconscious and we can't even really explain it, but that could be why we gravitate toward that. And also why if you talk to people in their 60s like our parents they're gonna they're gonna tell you they still value the the 60s 70s and maybe early 80s the most because that's what they were exposed to during that same age bracket but i I would totally agree there's a lot of great stuff coming out and you have to challenge yourself be open-minded to listening to it because if you don't then you're preventing yourself from from probably hearing some really good music along those same lines i think I've been guilty for a while of disregarding most of what comes through on the radio because I agree I don't I don't like a good share of the songs that I hear on on mainstream. But I will say that there have been some artists that I've liked over the years that have put some stuff on the radio that I don't like or vice versa some artists that I've discovered through the radio that maybe I didn't like but then some friends will say, "Hey, check out these other songs or I'll stumble upon them some other way." and realize that I actually like their music. I just didn't like the cherry pick songs that ended up on the radio so maybe it's more that it's appealing to the masses and it's not a true representation of what that artist can do as a musician so i've i've challenged myself to be open to listening to some of those bands as well taking a closer look at a full album before i completely rule them out as somebody i don't want to listen to those are both really good points you're right some of the stuff that you hear on the radio is the hit that was made for that mass audience, and then you you listen later and go, oh, actually, this guy's got some depth to them. And then, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. The the formative years of where your brain is developing, and you're just kind of a sponge for somebody singing about yeah. something that means something to you. And yeah, and, that's a good yeah, word. Yeah, 
definitely. That's you said it really well. That's really true. I think about both of those things. Yeah, one one other thought that came to my mind when you were talking about the old versus new, contrasting the music and the styles and the eras, is that I I almost think you can probably define an era of music more by what was happening in the world at that time than you could necessarily with the sound of the the music or the instruments or the production alone. Obviously, quality has changed. We have technology that allows people to do things with music and sound that people could not have even done back in the day if they wanted to do that. So you probably can hear a couple clips and say this is modern and this is old. But I think what maybe really sets apart a generation is what was going on during that time. And coming full circle back to listening to a lot of uh, late 60s, early 70s music, the hippie movement as a as a kid that my, my folks exposed me to, they were singing a lot about anti-war and and love and peace because that was really integral to the time that they were putting out that music. So those were the thoughts that were on their on their mind and and that's what they were singing about. And there was a whole movement and group of followers that that uh, really got into that more more so probably for the message, yeah. but it was also really good sound. It was good music quality too. But I think. There's probably been an evolution of music and sound and voice and what people can do with what they're producing aside from the lyrics, but then each decade could probably be defined by or ca- characterized by what was happening in the world as well. So as we as we dive into the old versus new albums, we'll not only be able to compare and contrast how the music has evolved, but we'll also be able to talk about that period of time in the history that that surrounds when that music was uh, created and and why maybe the lyrics went a certain direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at it in its historical uh, period is, is something that's going to be really fun for us to do. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's ultimately why we, we chose the title album Mm -hmm. divers, right? We want to dissect the album fully, look at all the songs, analyze, interpret the lyrics, try to understand the band's origin and and, uh, their progression as musicians and also where they were at in their lives and what what era they were producing that music in to try to connect and form deeper understanding or appreciation of the messages that were coming across, maybe some historical, political, even possibly some religious context, depending on where the bands were coming from and and what was going on uh, at, at the time they they put that uh, music together and look for deeper meanings, not only to appreciate the band, but also to gain a better understanding of the music that could possibly provide more to us than if we simply just listen to the song uh, for the enjoyment of the sound and not for the the story that's being told. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and one of the things that we want to do with with the format that we've got here with, with the old versus new and also listening to the songs from start to finish as we do that track by track analysis is we, we want to listen to the album in order. We want to hear why the artist might've chose to put, you know, this song before this one. And, and what does that mean both from the historical contents, but also just artistically, what were they trying to say with, with the order of the songs and, you know, are they painting a picture? Is it mm-hmm. is it a story? Did they add some thoughts to that? And I think it'll be interesting to see as we look at the newer albums that we pick, 
if we notice that thread still exists, I, I think we will. And I think most of the artists that you and I are going to pick because I think a lot of the music that we like are still artists that care about things like that. But in today's mm-hmm. format, in today's uh, way of digesting music, I think a lot of artists are just releasing singles and, and one-offs. And so I mm. wonder sometimes if that, yeah. if that start to finish will be as easy to follow as it was where everybody was listening to how you know you go down to your record store and pick up your record or pick up your cassette or your cd mm-hmm. and and clearly the artist knew that you were going to be holding every song in your hand and that you were right. going to probably have it on a player especially if it was a vinyl record where you really didn't have a choice except for mm-hmm. to listen to it from start to finish unless you got yeah, out your right. magnifying glass to try to drop the needle on the other side i mean I remember when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know, CDs being the biggest thing. When I first started to learn to drive, I'd you, know, you stick a CD in the CD player of your car and just drive around for a week, and without even really thinking about it, you're you've listened to that album, you know, seven eight times, and you know the, mm-hmm. the moment one song ends, you know the, the next note of the next song, and you really are familiar yeah. with with that album format. And, and that's something that I really enjoyed growing up as, as a digestive music. I think it connected me with the artists. Mm-hmm. And so that's also why I'm passionate about the album format. I, I think it forces you to, to hear that in that, in that order. And like we said before, just kind of slow down. That's one of the reasons that I've, I've gotten back into listening to vinyl myself because it does just stop and, and make you listen from the beginning to the end like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think things were a little more structured and uniform back then too, right? Because you you had a certain length on that record that you were allowed to put sound. So most songs were about three minutes, give or take, Yeah, I think, back in the day. And that would have been more standard across the board. You pick up an album by any artist, there's probably around the same number of tracks, all about the same length, whereas nowadays you have some extended playlists that maybe only have five or six tracks. You have singles, of course, that we talked about earlier, and then you have some longer albums. You have some extended albums that have a a lot more tracks on them, and you have anywhere from a short intro, one, two-minute song to some 15 to 20-minute songs. So that's that's a big change in dynamics as well uh, from back in the day. That's a really good point too. Yeah, I never thought about that. The The physical format of a vinyl record almost uh, forced the construction of the album to be mm-hmm. a certain way, both the length and, and even the, as you get tighter into the rings, it, it, it I'm, the more I talk about this more, it's going to be clear that I don't know exactly why this is the case physics wise, but I know that some of the more complicated instrumentation is actually harder to convey as you get to the deeper concentric rings in a album. So, mm-hmm. so some albums release an album as kind of a double LP, even though it's only got the normal 10 to 13 songs, mm. and they'll just put the two or three songs per side on that outer edge mm-hmm. to increase the fidelity of it. Um, but yeah, that's another interesting yeah. example of where history maybe dictated what we still mm-hmm. do here in, in 2020 with how we mm-hmm. put an album together it there's no reason for it to be a certain length anymore but most of them most of them are most of them are still around mm. 30 to 60 minutes you know i'm i'm questioning now what i what i said about the song length 
I, I guess I would have to, to do some research to fully understand that maybe the technology is different now nowadays. The only records I've listened to, the only vinyl that I've been exposed to over the years was old albums that came out back in the day, my dad's old collection. I haven't bought any new albums. I know you're big into vinyl. I assume on those records, they still have the long songs that artists are putting out today. When I thought about that, I remembered that when I made that point to somebody else about songs being really short back in the day, all being around three minutes, and that I thought that was due to the, the size of the space on the vinyl that they were able to record from. But they challenged me by saying there were longer songs back then, but I think the difference might be that you have to layer two of those rings together to create a, a longer song. So back in the day, I think there might have been a little hiccup or catch. It wouldn't have been as smooth when they hit that three-minute point to roll over to 301 to create a six-minute mm -hmm. song. Maybe they have better technology or better players today. Because I, I assume there are long songs today. Obviously, they're not all restricted to a certain time length. But I don't, I don't understand the technology enough to know why that yeah, is the Yeah, and case. we talked about how it used to be that the radio is where you'd go to find all the, the best music, and, and nowadays you don't hear as much of the good music on the radio, and that could be why that three- to five-minute song length is, is that more digestible length, even if you bought the longer album and, and got the longer songs, the ones they were putting on the radio were still mm -hmm. need to be somewhat digestible. But yeah, I mean, you go back and listen to you know Pink Floyd and, and some of those albums where I know they've got some songs up in like the 14 minute mark. So, yeah, they do. Yeah. That's why I started yeah, to question yeah. that. I, I think they still do. Have to but you're right about that. the length of the full album. That's, that's something that would be, would have been forced to a, to a particular length unless you wanted to make it a double LP. Mm -hmm. Do you remember, um, what album initially made you love the album format where you started paying attention to the fact that, Oh yeah, this artist is actually trying to, put this together in a particular order here. Do you, do you have an album like that? Well, I, I would say the band that first got me most uh, intrigued by exploring the lyrics would be the Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they have an album that was released around 2008 called Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings. Oh, yeah, I know that one. So the first half is really up-tempo, fast-paced, almost like if you were going out, clubbing, partying on a Saturday night. The second half, the Sunday mornings portion, is really chill, laid back, quiet, relaxing, like you'd be maybe in recovery mode the next day, yeah. uh, having a quiet day to contrast what happened the night before. And that was the first time that I really thought it was clever that they titled it that and how they organized the songs from start to finish, because you, you really got that experience uh, if, if you were tuned into the songs and, and the lyrics you would get that sense like they were telling a story from track one to the end of the album. And uh, I thought that was. Yeah, really I, cool. I know that one really well. In fact, Counting Crows is also one of the artists that probably really made me mm -hmm. appreciate that album format. I, I think the first album I bought of theirs was their second one called Recovering the Satellites. And it had yeah, that song, uh, Long December, on it. Mm -hmm. It had some other really great songs, but that's probably the one that most people would know. And then I went back, their, their first one's really the one that most people know the most with songs like Around Here and Mr. Jones. Um, oh, yeah. Great, great album. That has so Probably many... still one of my favorites. So many hits from Definitely. that album yeah. that have been, been around for a long time that a lot of people from lots of generations can sing along word for word, which 
is really a testament of of uh, the power and success of that album. Yeah, and, and they've evolved over the course. Of, they are they are still a band. I mm-hmm. actually know. And um, yep. but yep. that first one was really a lot of people were making a lot of like Van Morrison comparisons. So if you listen to that one mm-hmm. and you you hear you know that even the Shalalalas on the Mr. Jones is yeah. really similar to yeah, the yeah. Brown Eyed Girl. And Morrison song, mm-hmm. and, and so it's a good right, example right. of as we get into this old versus new, where, where artists are mm-hmm. grabbing some things from the past. But yeah, I, that's a great album. What a great example of a yeah. album format that Saturday nights and Sunday mornings one, where yeah, that yeah, it's a, first half is just energy and and debauchery, and mm-hmm. and um, second half is yeah, it's the it's the it's the morning after. It's the recovery from everything right. they got into the night before. It's a good yeah, great example. It's a really great album. I gotta, I gotta go back and give that a listen. It's got some of my favorite songs uh, by the Counting Crows. Ended up on that album too. One, one in particular was called Washington Square. Mm, yeah, it's and a good one. Uh, it's, it's basically about him having to pack up and move on and leaving some things behind, cherishing the good times, but moving on, uh, not necessarily to greener pastures per se, but taking his belongings, his talents going off uh, on another adventure, hitting the road. So my piano You couldn't come with me I locked up my bedroom And I walked out into the air You really feel like you can connect with with Adam Duritz, the lead singer, yeah. as he's uh, sharing that story, almost like it's it's very personal and meaningful to him. You can hear the passion behind the lyrics, and uh, as a listener, it's cool to have that connection. But I mean, all all of his albums, all the Counting Crows albums, are are really great. He's a he's an awesome lyricist, definitely. And um, I think they've stayed true to their their roots over the years but they've also evolved as a band like you said too they they're they're one of the the few bands that has a lot of mainstream hits that i still really like but also has some great gems that people probably have never heard because they weren't quite mainstream enough that everybody would uh, appeal to them yeah yeah definitely do you remember a time that that something really clicked in your head that the album format was something you should appreciate a particular band maybe or album that really stands out where you thought about that more it's a good question I, I i guess the first one that comes to mind kind of like the saturday nights and sunday mornings being sort of a almost like a concept album i guess you could call that mm-hmm. um was an album by a seattle artist a band called pedro the lion and mm. um Living in Yakima and then moving, I moved to Seattle in 2000. I started really getting into the independent artists uh, in the Seattle scene. And um, Pedro Lyon was was one of those artists that I really connected with. In fact, one of my best memories ever, the garage band that I was in, in uh, probably the 99-2000, we, we got to open for Pedro the Lion while they were touring. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, and they were touring for this album called Winners Never Quit. And that's the one that stands out to me as a concept album because it, it, the whole thing's kind of a story. It's, it's about two brothers, and one of them is 
on the surface really successful. He's a he's a politician, and and the other one's just a sort of, for lack of a better word, he's kind of a loser. He's a he's a drunk. He's always getting into trouble. He's in and out of jail. As, as it progresses, you start understanding that the surface is not everything. That there's a lot of things that the screw up brother is actually really sincere and doing well that the standout brother is not and links all these things together in a comparison to mainstream religion and and mm-hmm. what we what we look at as far as like what a good christian would be or a good religious person it has elements like suicide and murder and um corrupt mm. politicians and all of these things and and each song plays off the one before and and the whole thing's a story and and wow. that's probably the first one that made me realize oh yeah this is a this was put together it had to be put together this way have to check that out maybe we can even review yeah, it on one of our at. episodes that'd be fun they're, they're an interesting band they they uh just got back together this last year actually and and put out an album hmm. called phoenix he did some, done some solo stuff after they broke up i want to say maybe their album prior to that was i don't know 2004 or something like that mm-hmm. and then they had a long hiatus where he was doing solo records and put out some great music lead singer's name is David Bazan and uh, now he's come back as Pedro the Lion and and planning on continuing to release albums and uh, that 2019 album Phoenix is one of Hmm. my favorites from from last year that's cool I always I always think it's cool when a band dismantles for whatever reason hopefully not too much bad blood, but they decided to go their own ways. Maybe some solo projects, or maybe they had some some disagreements in artistic themes or the direction of music, what they wanted to sing about, and they part ways for a bit, do their solo projects, or maybe join other bands, and then at some point or another, they navigate back to each other and uh, rekindle the flame, so to speak, and start putting out music again. It's really cool then to compare and contrast some of their originals, their roots, to the new music they put out after that time period of exploring themselves, probably maturing as people, maturing as musicians, and then deciding they want to get back together either for the greater good of, of the song, of the music, and uh, to put, put out content for their listeners, or or possibly they missed playing together and uh, they enjoyed that more than what they did on the side and they want to put music together again. And sometimes I think when those projects do develop, they end up putting so much heart and soul into that new music that it ends up being uh, outstanding yeah in fact that'd be kind of fun sometime if if there's a artist that's been around a while putting out a Mm -hmm. new album this year in 2020 might be fun for that month to just pick that artist we'll do one of their older ones from oh yeah that's a good idea too yeah like a decade yeah decade or more Mm -hmm. ago we could pull out an album and then and then contrast it with what they're putting out today yeah that might be kind of fun there'd be it'd be a limited number of artists that are doing that and i don't know i haven't looked ahead to Mm -hmm. see if 
any artists that have been around a while are expected to release, release some things in 2020, but it might, might be I can of think fun. of a couple. Yeah, really? I can, okay. I can think of yeah. some already, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite bands, independent label Dispatch, put out some awesome music back in the day. They're well known for throwing the largest independent uh, music concert of all time. And they separated, went their own way, did lots of side projects, and just recently got together again here this past decade. And they put out a ton of music really quick in a short period of time after, I want to say, maybe close to a 10-year hiatus. Uh, and their new music is awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's modern, it's evolved, but still some common themes that connect to some of their old stuff. So that, that's, that's definitely a band we could do that awesome. with, and I want to, I want to review them. They've always been, um, you know, important to me, a big part of my life, my childhood, and, and still enjoy what they're putting out today. Actually, got to see them live for the first time not too long ago, which was sweet because I I looked at the calendar, did the math, and it was almost exactly 20 years from the day that I became a fan and started listening to the music. I saw them live for the first time, and it was just it was amazing. That's awesome. I I kind of remember you posting pictures of that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Such a cool experience and uh, really brought me back to my, my youth and um, had a great time. So you awesome. mentioned uh, that, yeah, that, that Pedro the Lion album you said uh, was 99, 2000, and that's when you guys opened for them. That's, that's a good 20 years ago, too. Exactly. Huh? I know. It's scary to think about. I can't believe how wow. long it's been, but yeah, yeah. that's about 20 years ago. Do you remember what your band was singing about back then? Maybe we can maybe we can review one of your albums. <laughs> oh man, I'd be I'd be way too embarrassed to put anything like that yeah. on there. But yeah, you know, mostly mostly it was about girls and uh, yeah, oh, naturally, yeah, fifteen year olds exactly. And then some some religious themes. That, that was another thing that I shared yeah, with Peter cool. the Lion. Is his music was mm-hmm. always about searching and looking for. He was a yeah. he was penned as a Christian artist growing up, but mm-hmm. never really fit that mold very well um, because mm-hmm. his, his lyrics were always really honest and about searching and questioning. And he eventually lost his faith, and so some of his solo stuff is about kind of has like a breakup with God period where he's writing some mm. art, some albums wow, and songs about that, which is great. They're really great, and I kind mm-hmm. of had a similar arc to. Um, to my faith and religion and and i was going through some of that at the same time so um, mm-hmm. some challenging of the lyrics, questioning. yeah challenging questioning and so some of the sure. some of the song lyrics were yeah bringing elements to that and then yeah lots of lots of you you broke my heart 15 mm-hmm. year old yeah that's why we, that's why we can't play yeah. any of those songs on the <laughs> right on the podcast. Yeah, i was about to say it. it's uh it's it's always enlightening or, or heartwarming to hear an artist share some of those personal thoughts, share some of those times they were going through, whether it was a, a battle with their, their faith or possibly addiction or depression, suicidal thoughts or a bad breakup and to really put themselves out there and allow you as the listener to potentially relate to them, maybe on some scale, one way or another, you find meaning in that, or you at least uh, share an appreciation for the fact that they're willing to show their hands, show their cards, put their emotions on their sleeves, and and really lay something out there that's a bit you know dangerous or risky uh, that kind of exposes them, along with hopefully some happy, positive songs sharing 
uplifting times in their life too and good times uh, because you know we all go through ups and downs good and bad highs and lows on some end of the spectrum so when artists are are willing and capable of sharing their story and putting that all out there i think as a, a listener it leaves you feeling like you got more than a good sounding album that that you're really rewarded or provided a lot of information and insight and and given a good product that was worth your money that provided a lot of value not only as a listener not only to pass the time or to enjoy the sound and be entertained but also to find some deeper meaning that uh, you can take with you that becomes something more yeah, powerful I, I completely agree so just to kind of wrap all this up today what what do you think you're most excited about as we begin this podcast journey together i just think it's going to be great to share music together uh i mean yeah. what what i know about you and and your your passion and uh interests um i know you'll choose really good music the music we've shared already uh, has been a fun fun experience throughout our friendship and i'm excited equally as much to share music with you hopefully expose you to some stuff that maybe you haven't stumbled upon over the years and and vice versa and really dive into that and put together a product that other people will enjoy listening to and hopefully empower them or motivate them to go do the same well. And then maybe at some point, once we get some work put together, interact through social media and connect with other viewers and listeners who have insights that maybe we don't on some of that music and want to share other music with us or give some recommendations so we can interact in a community format, sort of open door, open discussion type of a situation yeah, I think that would be really fun and and i echo all those same things and then just back to what i'd said before just i think having that opportunity to slow down and and go mm -hmm. back to what i used to do in, in listening to albums from start to finish is something i'm really excited about continuing mm -hmm. to do as new music comes out i think i think we're going to be surprised when we go back and listen to some of those old albums that maybe we haven't touched in a while that were monumental to our development or transitional periods throughout our, our teen years and, and college years. And, and maybe we'll listen to it with a totally different perspective or, or mindset and um, possibly find that it means something more than it did to us back then, or that it means something different, or possibly we, we misinterpreted something that our minds weren't developed to the point of, of fully understanding what these adults were talking about in their yeah, music. That's a good point. And that now, now we'll, hear it for the second time and it may almost be kind of new in a sense despite the fact that it's old and we've heard it over and over we're yeah. not just regurgitating the lyrics and singing along but we're actually diving in and challenging our understanding of them and, and looking for some type of deeper meaning i think that's going to be a lot of fun i think something else uh, that I haven't mentioned there's quite a few songs over the years uh not necessarily one hit wonders but maybe I stumbled upon a song and it ended up getting added to my favorites list and I, I go back to it a lot because I really enjoy it, but I haven't had the chance to go explore that band or, or maybe one step beyond that, I've potentially listened to one album, but it might just be the newest released album in this discography of seven or eight albums the band's been around for a long time to have this opportunity to then go look at some of the older albums that they've released instead of only a, a small snapshot. Maybe that'll allow us to get a better appreciation for their entire body of work uh, and that should be a lot of fun yeah those are great points i think there's a lot of reasons why this is gonna be really fun and, and like i said this 
something I'm doing anyways. I'm I'm listening to music yeah, and sharing exactly. with other people. So having some structure to it, I think, is going to be really mm-hmm. exciting. So I'm looking I'm looking yeah, forward to it, Shane. I'm, definitely, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm really glad we're doing this. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a, a learning experience, obviously, since neither one of us has ever gone down this path of uh, podcasting, but. You know, we've both been uh, listening to and analyzing and really dissecting music for a long time in our personal lives. So we have a lot of experience with that. I think it's going to be great to share that with our viewers. And I'm I'm really excited about all that we have in store yeah, for this year. All right. Well, I think this is probably a good time to wrap it up. Shane, anything, any other parting yeah, thoughts before we, we uh, dive into our first album? No, I think we've covered all the essentials and, and hopefully... Hopefully we got a handful of people as excited as we are about going down this podcast journey together and uh, creating some really good quality content. All right. Well, until next time. Awesome. All right. Take it easy, Shane. If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time.